0: Star Wars 7x7 episode 1,242. Today, the last of the six legends of Luke Skywalker that we're going to discuss. This is called Big Inside. Punch it, Chewie. Hi, I'm Brian J. Jones, author of George Lucas The Life, and you're listening to Star Wars 7x7, the only daily Star Wars podcast. Hey, Rebel Rouser. Welcome to Star Wars 7x7. I'm your host, Alan Voivod, and one more time, thank you very much to Disney Lucasfilm Press for sending me a copy of The Legends of Luke Skywalker. And we're going to talk about Big Inside in full spoiler capacity here. So, that doesn't mean, I think, as you've probably realized over the last few episodes, that I'm going to tell you blow by blow every single detail that happens in the story. So, Even if you don't want it spoiled for you, I mean, it's still worth just hanging out with me, right? So go ahead and save it for a later date if you really want to come into The Legends of Luke Skywalker utterly unspoiled. Or if you have any fear at all, I guess, about The Last Jedi and that you might learn something about Luke that you just don't want to know. I mean, I don't think that's really been the case at all and also not with this big inside story either. But, you know, I'll throw that out there for your consideration if you want to think in that direction. Anyway... Yeah, I don't think there's anything that you could hear that would make your experience of The Last Jedi any less than optimal. But you've got all the information you need to make your decision now. And in the meantime, I'm just going to go ahead and start talking to you about Pig Inside. So to recap where we stand, the various deckhands who are very young and getting to see the galaxy in exchange for the work on this cargo ship and very little in the way of wages right so they've been swapping stories about luke skywalker and we're at the point where they are about to dock in canto bite and they have to well I'll spare you all the details. Ultimately, there's one more story. They've got time for one more story to tell. And somebody says, make it a Luke Skywalker story. Stay on theme. And so this does sort of beg the question as to whether the teller of the story is actually working Luke Skywalker into it when he wasn't even there or or not. I don't know. But anyway, um, this is a story about... Um, A scientist who wanted to raise money for a research expedition to go inside inside giant space slugs. And again, again, we have to wonder how much of the actual story of The Empire Strikes Back is known to the rest of the galaxy. Like, how much propaganda did the Rebellion put out? You know, the daring Princess Leia escaping from... The Imperial fleet hiding in asteroid fields and daring to even hide in the bellies of Exogorths and escape from them dramatically. Like, how much of that propaganda was actually shared with the galaxy at large? I wonder. I don't know. That seems like, eh, they probably skipped over that considering how uh, terrifying and ultimately heartbreaking <laughs> the results of that adventure were. But still, worth wondering about, I would say because it sort of calls into question the storyteller here, it calls into question how much we can trust this storyteller, because uh, this character Gokolu is saying that um, her reasons for exploring space slugs also had something to do with Luke Skywalker. And you don't know if this character Gokolu, who is part of the, the deck hands on the Canto Bite, if he is telling the truth, if Luke Skywalker really plays into this story, or if it's just something he is utterly and completely made up, or if... It is actually uh, a woman who is doing this exploring and just something else happened. So our narrator in this story, or, you know, second secondhand narrator, since it's Gokolu telling the story of a person who is telling the story. Um, she is a researcher and she is examining the Agoliba 2 system and trying to find out uh, whether... Agoliba-Ado or Agoliba-Ena, these two uh, planets, which one gave birth to life first and colonized the other one. So she was trying to do that. But unfortunately, her university doesn't have a lot of dedicated funds. And so it says, I had to rely on the kindness of strangers who occasionally jumped out of hyperspace in the system on their way to somewhere else because there are no trade routes through it as well. The universal beacon that this woman set off uh, let anyone popping out of hyperspace know that I was interested in hitching a ride. And so, in the story here, she deploys that beacon, and who should stop by in a two-seat A-wing fighter but Luke Skywalker. Now, this on its face is not necessarily unusual, because training A-wings definitely have two seats in them, and so that's a legit thing, but, you know, why is Luke tooling around in an A-wing? I mean, he has an X-wing, or at least he had an X-wing, so there's no reason to think that he would be in an A-wing, but... Whatever. Um, It says that uh, he had modified the cockpit of the A Wing in part to take on passengers on his long flights around the galaxy as a way to relieve some boredom. I don't know. Maybe I just too strongly identify him with the next Wing. I can let go of it because the other thing that is here is our narrator asks if Luke is an archaeologist or something, and he says something like that. I'm trying to learn as much as I can about the Jedi. And so. Ultimately, they end up um, parking on an asteroid, and it turns out that (laughs) there's an exogorth hiding in one of the asteroid's caverns. I'm skipping a lot of the buildup that actually leads to them getting stuck inside the exogorth, but basically, there's no way out because the exogorth could be digesting for years, if not decades. So. (sighs) the only way out is through and before you get too grossed out by it don't worry we're not going to go there but you come to find out that there are multiple ecosystems inside the belly of an exogorth and they all seem to be sealed off from each other with these sort of Uh, permeable membranes where like they can kind of cut through them and pass through but they will seal shut automatically so they end up being sort of airtight in a way and whatever bizarre flora fauna microorganisms and other random things in these various parts of the exogorth uh, some of the stuff is apparently oxygen generating because they are able to walk around without helmets on and not have to worry about their limited oxygen capacity they can still you know check out what's going on in the exogorth and continue to move through its body and since our narrator is a biologist she's having you know on the one hand an oh my god i can't believe we're stuck in this thing how are we ever going to get out situation but she's also having an oh my gosh this is the most amazing thing i've ever seen in my life and i'm going to take all kinds of notes about it and You know, this could be my life's work. It's just so incredibly awesome. In the meantime, Luke gets the bizarre idea that the Jedi have been inside this Exogorth. Like, why there would be, I don't know, a Jedi Temple inside this Exogorth? Like, that's the most ridiculous thing. And yet, there does seem to be some odd lettering on the inside body walls of the Exegorth. And there's only one word that Luke can understand out of it, which is the word mist. And so he says, like, I wish 3PO were here to translate this, but it's not really explained whether we're seeing, you know, whether what he's seeing is letters in basic Arabesh, because I know (laughs) there have been jokes made about whether characters in the Star Wars universe are illiterate or anything like that. But anyway, so... Why he has come to the conclusion that there are any Jedi, like, hanging out inside the Exegorth is beyond me. But it turns out that I have to take a quick break, and then when I come back, I will tell you what really happens inside the Exegorth. Hey, Rebel Rouser. Time's running out on the Nissan Master the Drive sweepstakes where you can enter for the chance to win your own personalized ride inspired by Star Wars The Last Jedi. You and three friends can also get tickets to the opening night screening of The Last Jedi in Los Angeles and a limited edition executioner Troopet collectible helmet. To enter, go to nissanusa.com slash wars and customize a Star Wars-inspired vehicle. Here are the legal details. No purchase necessary. Ends November 27th. Open to the 50 U.S. states and D.C. only. You must be 18 years or older. Entry rules and odds at nissanusa.com slash starwars. Void where prohibited. Welcome back. All right. Our narrator is saying time inside the Exogorth didn't work the same way it did outside. Without a spinning planet under our feet or automatically synced chronos on a spaceship, our circadian rhythm soon went awry. We slept when we were tired, ate when we were hungry, drank when we were thirsty, and explored every path open to us. I had no idea how many days we spent inside the slug whose interior offered a whole universe to explore. The Exogorth was a maze of tunnels and interconnecting chambers. Some of the chambers were mired in perpetual darkness while others were lit with various kinds of luminescence, biologically generated and otherwise. Glowing signs appeared several more times. Sometimes it consisted of writing Luke poured over for hours trying to decipher its mystery. Other times they were paintings, abstract curly hues and starbursts and crosshatching woven together to represent or to present awe-inspiring scenes that took up a whole wall. We gazed at them as though looking at the swirling, churning galaxy itself. These tapestries of light were both map and territory. And Luke says whoever they were, they were fantastic artists. So, yeah, I guess (laughs) it's possible that not only were people alive and exploring in the Exegorth long enough to decide to create art in the Exegorth, but it turns out that they find actual darned Jedi or at least something resembling Jedi, not exactly Jedi. There were three of them, and they're basically stone statues that don't look like they can move, do anything, but suddenly they move, and like, oh yeah, this is weird. And when Luke puts his hands on them, he just starts shaking and freaking out and seizing up, and then he, you know, falls down to the ground, and he says, I can hear them. And turns out that there were three of them. Shireen, uh... (laughs) and Wiki, master weavers of the luminous mist. And so we're finding out that luminous mist is another phrase to describe the Force. And so these three seekers of adventure and excitement and thrills, which they weren't supposed to do, but as the storyteller here says, the heart wants what the heart wants. And so they got trapped in the beast. And the, let's see, one of them says, Wiki was not ready to you know, lie down and give up, and she says, What if we built cocoons for ourselves out of the luminous mist? So they wove cocoons of the mist into resilient silk strands that contained the hidden dimensions of the universe, wove them into uh, a yarn strong enough to bind time into a sheath that we wrapped around ourselves to slow time to a crawl, a shroud and a birth call at once. And inside this cocoon, the three of us waited, stretched one lifetime into thousands, while an eon passed in the grand universe, a second had ticked by within. We waited as the beast that swallowed us grew, as more adventurers came after us and died after their brief sojourns. We waited as we forgot what else to do, content to let time devour us even as we sought to stop its passage." But then Luke comes along, and even in this ridiculously slowed down time frame, these three mist weavers are able to identify oh, there's something different about him. He has a bright mist heart, and there's a reason for him to be there. And I guess there's also some rot in the mist that they recognize. And the only way that they can you know, be a part of the solution of this is to work with Luke to basically blow a hole in the side of the Exegorth so that way Luke and his biologist friend can get out. And this of course means that these three luminous mist weavers are going to be immediately thrown into the mist beyond, in other words, become force ghosts for all intents and purposes. So that, is rather a difficult choice for Luke because he realizes what they are offering to allow him to survive and to allow his friend to survive. So that is kind of a, a difficult choice to go with. And he says, I've seen too many sacrifices. Obi-Wan, if only Master Yoda could have taught, I can't. Unless, like, just he goes on and he realizes something about the duel between Obi-Wan and Darth Vader that I thought was really interesting and I thought I'd share that with you was the last bit of information we share out of the Legends of Luke Skywalker. Luke says, I once watched a dear friend who was also my teacher face the very embodiment of evil in a duel. He knew that he couldn't overcome his opponent by force and yet he needed to save me and our friends. So when he saw that I was near the ship that would take us to safety, he stopped fighting and allowed his opponent to cut him down. But in fact... He had released himself from this world and become part of the Force. What the enemy had cut down was only an empty cloak. Surprised, the enemy focused all his attention on the discarded cloak, forgetting about me and my friends. That was my teacher's intent, to use himself as a lure to distract the monster. We escaped, and I have never been able to forget the look my teacher gave me before he died. It was a look of pure peace and contentment. No fear, no anger, no regret, no sorrow became stronger than his enemy could possibly imagine because he knew it was time to let go he trusted the force it was a lesson i still have a hard time accepting and then he points at the statues and says do you see her face that's exact that's the exact same expression my friend and teacher had before he faded into the force and so that is how luke is ultimately able to justify the decision to let these luminous mist weavers emerge from their cocoons which creates a catastrophic racking up of time and ultimately it says the statues glow brighter and brighter and suddenly voila they are outside after it's all over after they're outside he says there are patterns in the forest like the rise and fall of the tide and that line of course throws you back to the fishing in the deluge story and whether This story perhaps took place after Fishing in the Deluge took place, if you could possibly say that for sure. I mean, just because he's using a metaphor about rising and falling tides, it doesn't necessarily mean that it has anything to do with Fishing in the Deluge at all. I'm sure you could say that all day long about the Force without having known a single thing about that planet. And I kind of want to believe this story, but... It's a little difficult for me to buy, considering that the setup for it was, you know, the deck can saying, hey, do we have time for one more story? And yeah, make sure it's, you know, got Luke Skywalker in it. So, you know, are they making up stories at that point? And oh, yeah, and this is something Luke did. He was lost for days and days and days and weeks, an unknown time in the belly of an Exogorth, and somehow he managed to get out. So uh, that's one that I would probably like to believe and just can't bring myself to believe. But I'd certainly like to hear your thoughts about it. Did he, in fact, spend untold days, weeks, months inside an Exegorth? And it says that he had a beard at this point. So if so, when did it happen? Are we talking about that same five, six year time period in between Bloodline and The Force Awakens? That would be really kind of intriguing, too. Share your thoughts at the comments of the blog post for the show's episode at SW7X7.com. That is going to do it for today's podcast. Thank you so much as always for listening, and may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you challenge the Jedi Council, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And we'd be spectacularly grateful if you put a little something in the tip jar at Patreon.com/sw7x7. It's not a test; it's destiny unleashed. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and/or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May of Force be with them. All original content is copyright 2017 Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.